Father, we uh, we step in this morning. God, we step into what your word says about us. We step into what your word says about you. Lord, we step into your character. And all throughout the word, Lord, you say to us that you can have all these characteristics, these great characteristic traits, being kind, being patient, Lord. You just, you, you go down the list, but what you say to us, Lord, is if, if it's void of love, it doesn't mean anything. Love is the greatest. And Lord, you communicate your love to us every single day. You're in constant pursuit of your children, meaning that you're a God of relationship. You're not a God of rules. You, you have principles that we, we operate in. But Lord, first and foremost, you're a God of love. So Lord, fill this room with that love. I pray that every child of God in this room knows, Father, that before we start looking at our sin, before we drag ourselves through the dirt, before we start beating ourselves up, we can say, you know what? I have a God who loves me. I have a God who wants to pursue me. And so, Father, as we jump in this morning, we thank you for that relationship. And Lord, right now as a, as a congregation, God, I pray that we can just open up our mouths and pray for the relationships in our lives, the friendships in our lives, Lord, that you would just bless those. So let, let's, let's do that as a, as a body this morning. Let's just pray for the, the relationships that we have, uh, husband and wife, friend to friend. It, it doesn't matter because the Lord wants us to be about relationships relationships so just just pray with me this morning about that father we we come to you this morning come on now church let me hear you this morning come on let's let's pray for these relationships if, if it's not about each other and the and the god that we serve what are we doing father i pray for the person next to me the, the person on the left and on the right that whatever they're going through father you would jump into their life and, and communicate to them that you have it taken care of you do Lord, bless these people. Bless the friends in the room. I pray that the relationships in the room are strong because of you, Father. That a church that is together, a church that prays with one another, Father. That we're, we have each other on each other's mind, Lord. There's nothing we can't accomplish. Lord, you are about relationships. So, Father, this morning as we, as we jump into this word, ah, I just pray that you show us how much you love us and how much you're after us. Father, we love you. We thank you. Be in this room. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. You guys can be seated. We give a hand to our worship team. You guys are just so great. It's just so great. <laughs> Welcome this morning. Thank you guys for being here. Uh, there's a lot more people in here than last Sunday because last Sunday was Memorial Day weekend and everybody decided to go plant flowers and be outside and hey, no one wanted to come hang out with me. I was a little bit, well, actually, 
I should say come hang out with Beck because Beck was preaching last Sunday. So we'll just say it was because no one likes Beck, right? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> He's going to hear that on the recording and be like, yeah, this guy. All right. <laughs> but uh, just so you guys know, Beck is on vacation for the next month. Um, they, and when I say they, they make us go on vacation, basically my dad and Rick, the network, because we're subject to them. They make us go on vacation so we don't get burned out, which is good. So while he's on his vacation, just pray for him. Um, uh, he's got a, a little one coming, so pray for that as well. Um, and Rick, Richter is also on vacation, so pray for those two and, his, and, and their families. But again, thank you for being here this morning. We're continuing in the book of Romans. Um, Beck did a great job opening up chapter 5, uh, verses 1 through 5. And I'll touch on that just a little bit before we get to our text, which is uh, Romans 5, verses th uh, 6 through 11. And you know how... When I get up here, I tell you guys, I really can't get past a certain part of the scripture. It's the same, you know. Um, I'm not much for change when it comes to that, but can hardly get past verse 6. There's a lot from verse 6 to verse 11, obviously, because it's the Word of God. And in the Word of God, the Word interprets the Word. And it's just packed. Something You can read something when you're five and it means something not different, but there's more to it when you're you know, 15, 20 years down the road. And the Holy Spirit just expands it. And so, uh, yes, we're going to continue here in chapter five, but it's been, it's been an interesting road up until then. We just get, done, just get done talking about justification by faith and not by works. Basically saying to all believers and all Christians, anyone who's a follower of the Lord, that there's no amount of sitting in church that can save you. <laughs> there's no amount of doing this or that that can save you. It is the blood of Jesus, and that is the only reason. If we ever look away from that, then we've missed it. We can make prayer the it. We can make worship the it. We can make even what we do on a Sunday morning the it, and that's just, guess what, not it. All right? Uh, the end of chapter 4 is a massive, massive statement. Um, it's verse 25, and it says, He who was delivered over because of our transgressions and was raised because of our justification. See, it's not just about Jesus' death. Because if it was just about his death, then he would have been just another martyr, an amazing man who lived an amazing 33 years on this, uh, uh, on this earth and then died. It's the fact, ladies and gentlemen, that he conquered death and walked up out of the tomb. That we can stand in front of uh, thousands of people with our heads up. Or one person with our heads up. We don't have to be ashamed of the gospel. Like it says in, in chapter 1, verse 16. Paul says, I'm unashamed. The reason why we're unashamed, the reason why we are who we are, who, who he says we are, is because he got, he, he got up and walked out of the tomb and conquered death. Hallelujah. And that gives me confidence. And that's the only thing, really, that gives me confidence, okay? <laughs> I can't pat myself on the back because of what I've done. That's, there's more that I've done wrong that I look at that I've done right than, than that I've done right that, that gives me any kind of confidence in myself. Um, so let's read verses 6 through, uh, 6 through 11. I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, 1 through 5, and then we're going to break down 6 through 11. But here's the text for today. I don't want to spend too much time talking. I just, I just want to read. 
It says this, for while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would dare even die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. Mm. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only this, but we also exult in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Now, there were two things that were brought out that really struck me in verses 1 through 5, um, specifically in verses 1 through 2 of chapter 5. Um, and it's, it's talking about this issue of peace and grace. And the first part of chapter 5, it just says, Therefore, having been justified by faith... That therefore is therefore because uh, it's saying after everything that we got done talking about from verses, excuse me, chapter 1, all the way up to the end of chapter 5. Because you said yes to Christ, here's the result. And it says that we are at peace with God. Now that, that really struck me. Because there are many times in my life, and, and I don't know about you guys, where I have said, I am not at peace with God. So that scripture was like, okay, what is this saying? And Beck did a great job helping us understand what that scripture was pointing towards. When we are separated from the Lord because of sin, we are at war with God because of sin. When we say yes to the Father, that war is over. And he is at peace with us. So no matter how I feel, no matter what I've been through in that day, or this day, or days to come, if the Lord allows me to wake up tomorrow, <laughs> he's at peace with me. Now see, that racks my brain because I'm so analytical about what I do that sometimes it's cyclical in nature where I'll just beat myself up all day long. And I have to stop and pause and say, wait, wait, wait. I serve a God who's at peace with me because I said yes to him. That, man, that's unbelievable. And then the next piece of it is this grace. It says in, um, let me see here, so I can not take this stuff out of context. In verse 2, excuse me, therefore, having been justified by faith, this is verse 1, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained the introduction by faith into this, here it is, grace in which we stand. As you and I sit here, as you are standing and worshiping, as you drove here this, mer this morning, almost said this morning, okay, take us back to church. <laughs> As you drove here this morning, amen, hallelujah. <laughs> yeah, I had to go with that one. I just had to go. We are in grace all the time. Now, there's nothing you can do to think yourself out of that. Now, if you said yes to Jesus, 
100% of the time, as you sit there right now, as you came here, as you leave, you are in, you are standing in His grace. And what is His grace? His unmerited favor. Right now, I am in His unmerited favor. I got the favor of the Lord. He is at peace with me. Man, that calms me down. And that is such a gift. Grace is also being given the ability to do something that you cannot do on your own. So you mean to tell me I am always in that. Always having the ability to do something that I cannot do, but it's going to get done. That humbles me in a massive, massive way. So with that being said, those are the things that popped out to me in those first few verses. And as I read verse 6, it says this, For while we were still helpless, while we were still in a place where we were at war with God, where we had absolutely nothing. Now you think about that and you say, man, when I got to rock bottom, while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. While we were still helpless. Sometimes helpless can, can be interpreted as, I have nothing. And I'm at the end of myself. And I just have no more options. True. But you know that helpless, in comparison to God, also means you have, let's say this, you think you have everything taken care of. You got all the bills paid. You just feel good about life at the moment. See, I made this statement earlier in the week that the highest that man can get doesn't even come close to the lowest that God can provide. So that helplessness isn't just the lowest of the lows. It's the highest of the highs that any man could ever conjure up. And what he's saying is for while we were still at war with God, in, in the midst of him being separated from us because of sin, he moves on to say, at the right time. Now you've heard so much in the church that God's timing is perfect. But when it comes to our salvation, the salvation of men, all mankind, all mankind, but also your salvation, when you accepted Christ, that was at the appointed Time. That was at the right time. He got your heart ready to do that. Now you had to say yes. He didn't make you say yes. But it says this, that at the right time Christ died. Not a second too soon and not a second too late. However many thousands of years ago when, his, uh, when he was taken away in the garden and his trek to the cross and everything that happened in that and while he was up on the cross and the statements that he made while he was up there getting pierced in the side and then finally committing his soul into the hands of the Father, all of that, that was at the right time. Anything and everything that is happening in your and my life has happened at the right time. Now, there is a, there's a thing called sin, obviously, we know this, that can cause us to not see the Lord in any given moment. And that's on us. We need to be able to deny ourselves. Luke 9, 23. <laughs> uh, pick up your cross and follow him daily. Just let the flesh fall away. Uh, but what I'm saying is that he 
didn't miss. Thank God he didn't miss. Not only with the salvation of all mankind, but if you think about your relationship with him, he didn't miss when he affected your heart at that certain moment and you said yes to him. How much more is he going to take care of you after that? We, we, we spend so much time trying to govern the moment. I'm telling you this morning, stop trying to govern the moment. Because at the right time, he died, it says, for the ungodly. Who's the ungodly? Well, go back and read halfway through chapter 1, chapter 2, and a little bit of chapter 3, and you'll figure out who he's talking about. Um, all of those individuals... Um, as we go back and I'll just... In chapter 2, he talks about the impartiality of God. Half of chapter 1, back half of chapter 1, was unbelief and its consequences. Um, he speaks to the Jewish nation about the fact that you're, you're taking the law and you're putting it on a pedestal. Um, in chapter 3, all the world's guilty, uh, not just the Gentiles. That's who he's speaking about. See... At the right time while we were at war, when we were helpless, he didn't just die for the half or the partially lost. He died for the wholly lost. Not wholly as in H-O-L-Y, but W-H-O-L. After that, I get nervous when I spell in front of crowds. Okay? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Needless to say, I was never in a spelling bee. I was out on the court dunking on people, all right? Back to Jesus, back to Jesus, all right? But if you think about this statement, died for the ungodly, the most wretched sin that you could ever think about, and I want you guys to think about yourselves in this moment. The things that you have done, and you don't have to like, I don't want, to, I don't want you to go there and stay there, but the worst of the worst... He said, time out in the fight. Think about that. You're on the playground and you just get into it with this person and all of a sudden you guys are throwing bows and in the middle of the fight, he says, time out. Let's, let's just stop for a second and let me forgive you and let me make it as if we never got in a fight, as if you never said what you said to me or however the fight started. Literally, for while we were still helpless, for while we were still in the war, at the right time, the Lord said, pause, and he said, I'm going to make it right. I'm going to die for the most wretched sin that you could ever come up with. But guess what? That won't ever separate you from me ever again. There's nothing that can cause you to fall out of grace. You can uh, blaspheme the Holy Spirit. That's the only thing. But there's nothing that can cause you to fall away from the love of Christ either. You guys with me this morning? And then he goes on to, to explain basically the love of God, the love of Christ. What, to me, getting past verse 6, it's kind of like, well, what more do you need? How much of a love story is that? In the midst of our helplessness, at the right time, he's going to show up. To be honest with you, he's there all the time. It's not that he leaves the house and comes back. God is with you in the moment, all the time, every time. He's on time, in time, every time. I love that statement. Amen? Amen? Amen. 
So as we continue reading this here, he begins to talk about a little bit of, a lot of bit, of Christ's character when it comes to his love for us. In verse 7 it says, For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would dare even to, to die. Now think about that for your own self. Somebody who's done a lot of good things to you in your life. Would you die for that person? To be honest with you, I got some more things to accomplish on this earth. I don't know. <laughs> Let's be real. Even for somebody who is such an upstanding citizen, would you even die? Though perhaps, half, uh, halfway through verse 7, though perhaps for the good man someone would even think about it, would even dare even to die, verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That verse 8, the latter half of verse 8, saying, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. As that connects back to verse 6, saying, we were still helpless at the right time Christ died. Again, I don't know how else to, to communicate this to you this morning in a way that is uh, going to be most effective. But the sin that we have in our lives, I am so thankful that it cannot separate me from the love of God. There are consequences to sin. Don't get me wrong when I say that. But he's saying here in verse 8 that his demonstration of love was because of something that didn't have to do with all of, how do I say this, everything about your relationship with Christ being in harmony. Does that make sense? Like, here's, here's my theory, and it's just a theory, so don't take this to the bank. Please don't. I, I'm, I'm even a little weary, or not weary, but nervous even saying this. That uh, in, in new relationships, when people have new relationships, it's all like the honeymoon stage. It's cake and candy and balloons and doves are flying around. Uh, not really, but just go with me on that, all right? When, when things start to get, like, that, that's easy. Let's just say that. It's easy to love somebody when everything's good and you're smiling at each other and you don't really know about that person quite yet. All right? The kicker is when the friction comes. Are you going to be able to still love that person as much or, or be interested in that person as much the first day as you are when all of a sudden they say something that you don't like? Then all of a sudden you guys are butting heads. Those of you who are newly married and been married for 50 plus years, uh, I'm sure you know this, right? Well, it would be so easy for God to demonstrate his love for you and I if we were righteous, holy, and completely all the time, every day. And what he's saying is that when you're at the worst of your worst, when you're at the lowest of your lows, when you are the wretched the, of the most wretched, that's not even good English, but it's whatever. You guys get what I'm saying? He said, that's, that's the moment that I loved you the most. That's the moment when I wanted to pull you up out of that and set your feet on solid rock and, 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 and be who I've made you to be. Are you with me this morning? 
God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. Those two, it's a both hand. You can't have one without the other. And that's what makes it so potent. Uh, the reason why these, this set of scripture hits me so much is because the Lord is trying to break me out of, and I can be vulnerable with you guys, okay, because I'm a human being. I'm real. I, I don't have it all figured out. I'm the guy up front with the microphone, but that doesn't mean that, hey, <laughs> I, uh, I'm only 32 years old. Uh, 32 years of experience is nothing compared to the Word of God. Or compared to, let's just say, Jerry. Jerry's got more experience, double than what I have, all right? I don't have it figured out, but the Lord is working on me to try to get things out of me that have to do with being so critical about myself. That I, I so often get to a place where the narrative in my head is not a good one. I'm saying to myself things that I should not be saying. You are not this, you are not that, blah, blah. And before you know it, the confidence dwindles. And the Lord's like, what are you doing? This needs to come back up and you need to speak the right thing. So I'm better at it, way better than I used to be. And I don't spend that much time in the, in the gutter, let's just say that. Um, but with that being said, uh, this right here, these set of scriptures, the, the reason why they hit me so much is because if I don't see the God that I serve as a God of love first, then that's where my mentality starts to go into the gutter right away. That's where I start to, to dive and decline. And so what I want to do with you guys this morning com and communicate to you this morning is if, if we don't have a, a perspective of who God is and that he is always operating in love and pursuing you in that same um, yeah, in that same principle, then we are, in a sense, setting ourselves up for more mental gymnastics than we, than we think. I mean, does that make sense? I don't want to get too far away from the Scripture and what the Scripture is saying and talk about me because it's not about me. However, this set of Scripture communicates so much about who the Lord is and how much He loves you in the midst of the crap that either we're doing or going through, uh, that it's humbling in nature. And it should be encouraging in nature as well. Amen? Amen. So the rest of this Scripture is it's basically like a big one-upsmanship. You guys ever been around somebody who's Mr. Me Too? Like, hey, yeah, I just... Uh, did this, this, and this. I'm like, oh, me too. I did that. Awesome. Can never really say, hey, good job. It always has to be like, yes, I did that as well. It's a big one-upsmanship contest. Well, here's what we read in verses 9 through 11. It says, much more then, let me one-up you, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. I could preach probably the next four months on verse 9 when it comes to the wrath of God. Now, do we really understand how powerful a Jesus we serve? How powerful a God that we serve? Now, ladies and gentlemen, if he wanted to, he could blink and your life would be over. He could say, now is the, now is the time, the appointed time, that so-and-so is going to come home. 
any one of us sitting in this congregation this morning. That's, there's something about that that puts me in a place of reverence. That there's certain things that I just won't do anymore because of that. That he is, he is a God who could snuff our life out if he wanted to, but you know what? He doesn't do that. The moment we have that, uh, that impure thought or that thing that we do, that, that word that we let come out of our mouth or that, uh, just that, yeah, any of it, all, all of it, he has every right in the world to knock us out and take our feet out from underneath us. But he doesn't do that. We have been saved from the, the wrath of God because of the blood of Jesus. Verse 10, For if while we were enemies... We were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only this, but we also exult in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Now let's get just a little bit personal. <laughs> Anybody in here mad at God? Or something? Maybe frustrated with the Lord over a process. And you may be saying to yourself, no, I'm, I'm probably not. And that's good. However, our life on a day-to-day -day basis is, in essence, because we are of the flesh, we're not, because how do I say this? We live in the flesh. Scripture says that although we are not of the world, we live in the world. Okay, so does that make sense? Our flesh is at, at, not at war, but it's in conflict with the spirit. Because our flesh wants to do something and our spirit wants to do something different. Paul says the same thing. He says, why do I find myself doing the things that uh, I don't want to do when the things that I want to do, I, I just, I'm not doing them. So, it, it, Paul explains that. There is a conflict on a day-to-day -day basis between the flesh and the spirit. And we are constantly trying to reconcile ourselves back to the Lord. Now this is a, this is a I'll, let me use this to better explain this. Small r, small reconciliation, as compared to big r, big reconciliation. The Lord reconciled us through dying, so we're good. Alright, salvation, we're, that's done. All right? But there's a reconciliation that's trying to happen on a day-to-day -day basis, trying to get your flesh away and step into the supernatural, step into the spirit. My question for you today, trying to get a little bit personal, is, is today a day, is now a time where you have to reconcile with the Lord? Because let me say this to you. It doesn't happen in your time. What does verse 6 say? says at the right time the Lord died for the ungodly at the right time he's going to come through at the right time he's going to give you exactly what you need because he knows your needs is there a bit of reconciliation that might need to happen this morning between you and the father see Luke 9 23 deny yourself there's things that I know I need to deny myself in but there's other things I haven't asked the Lord what do I need to deny myself in See, I know I need to reconcile myself to the Lord in some areas, but are there things that I don't even know that I need to, that I have to ask Him, that I didn't know that I was hanging on to, that are keeping me tethered 
from rising up over a certain circumstance. Are you with me this morning? It's one thing to say, yes, Lord, I'm going to reconcile myself. It's, ne it's another thing to say, Lord, show me what I need to be reconciled. Show me what needs to be reconciled within me. Does that make sense this morning? Uh, let's get the worship team back up here. And, and, and today is uh, the first Sunday of the month, which means that we will do communion this morning. Um, and I'll walk you guys through that. Um, but does this set of scripture make sense to you? Verses 1 all the way through verse 11. This issue of peace, this issue of grace, this issue of being saved in the midst of being helpless, this issue of reconciliation, all points towards something. It points towards how much the Father loves you. And we can never, ever, ever lose sight of that. Now see, I don't want today to be one of those things where you come in and you say, Oh, well, the pastor just, he just preached about God's love. God is love. Do you believe that? Do you walk in it? And if you don't, do you want to walk in it? Because I guarantee you can tell the difference between somebody who walks in God's love and someone who doesn't. The speech is different. The way you carry yourself is different. Now that doesn't mean the church judges people and says, Oh, he's walking in it. He's not. She's walking in it. She's not. No. That's not what we do here. But I want to communicate to you this morning. You have a father who loves you so much. He wants everything for you. He wants the kingdom to come in your life today. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he loves you. And I'm trying to look at you guys. All right? That's how much he loves you. That's how much he loves you, Kayla and Sharif. That's how much he loves you. What do you bring to the rest of the community? Do you bring your stuff or do you bring God's love? That's the whole purpose of God showing us love so that we can go show it to the community and transform this neighborhood, transform this city, transform this state, transform the United States. Because God knows this country needs Jesus. <laughs> Amen? Um, let us get, oh wow, you guys got this stuff up here right now. Because I'm, got my back turned, you guys are alright, you can go ahead and start playing there, Jared. Uh, can we get, uh, let's, let's do our offering first, before we, uh, this individual can't do it on their own. But there's no more walking this life by yourself. You don't have to be Superman, Superwoman. That's already been taken care of. His name is Jesus. Lord, if there's anybody in here who wants to give their life to you for the first time, I just pray that they would just raise their hand and we will pray with you. We will pray with them, Father, um, and welcome them into the kingdom. But if that's you this morning and you haven't received Christ into your life as your Lord and personal Savior and want to do that right now, just, just throw your hand up in the air. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to...
stand up, go down the center aisle right here, and I got communion on the right and to the left, and uh, looks like we've put the bread right here. So uh, let's stand up, get what you need, go back to your opportunity to take communion, and just really understanding what communion is and what it's about. Father, you have given us through communion a way to remember what you've done on the cross and Lord as we hold the, the, the cup and the, the bread in our hand or the wafer or whatever you want to call this Father we understand that your flesh was a sacrifice Father and at that that time when you were with your your disciples in the upper room you, you picked up a piece of bread you broke it you passed it around and um, you explain that to them. And Lord, nothing would have been sufficient to atone for sin except the death and the, the destruction of your flesh. The Bible says tearing down the temple and raising it up again in three days, Father. We, we eat that in remembrance of you just like you told your disciples to do. And then, Father, you have the cup represented the blood of Jesus Christ. Lord, every drop that was spilt was spilt for a purpose. And Lord, we uh, we drink what is in what is in the cup and doing that in remembrance of you and remembering the amount of blood that was spilled for our sake, for my sake. And Lord, this communion is, is something that brings us back to the reality of why we believe what we believe. Yes, you died, Father. More so, you, you, you rose. And Lord, that doesn't make your death insignificant. Because in your death, like it says, Father, you died for my sin and my wretchedness and the ungodliness that's in me. For a purpose, Father. And that purpose is what it says in Galatians 4. Verse 4, it says, But when the fullness of the time came, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that He might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. God, that's why you died, so that we could receive the adoption as sons, also as daughters, because you are sons. We are sons. God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, therefore you are no longer a slave but a son and if a son then an heir through God father that is why I'm a son of God and we are sons and daughters of the most high and father that in and of itself is the greatest love story ever told and never is ever worth telling Father, we thank you for this opportunity. And we just get our hearts back in alignment with you as children. So Father, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand as we close in this song this morning. Our God is the Lion. Father, you are, you are everything to us, Lord. You're more than anything we could ever 
ask for and Lord you freely give to us on a daily basis and you do that because you love us and so Lord I pray against the mindset that, that continues to steal that thought from us it's just a thought but Lord we stand on the truth and the truth of the word and what it says in the word is that you demonstrated your love for us because while we were still wretched you said yes to us so Father this morning we say yes to you we walk out of here with the language of man my God loves me he's thinking about me he wants me to succeed he's got plans for me that will work out for the good why because I love him back father this morning we love you back there's nothing we can uh, we can do to love you the way you love us but Lord we'll just give you all of ourselves and hopefully that'll suffice so father be with us as we as we go from this place and I pray that as you show us how you love us, we declare to you, Father, this morning that we love you. I love you, Jesus. I pray that those words can come out of our mouth on a daily basis. We repeat them and repeat them and repeat them that we just love our Father. So there it is, Father. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. You guys are free to go.